All right, so I got an alert on my phone today. It was, uh, it was someone tweeting to me about uh, the Harry Potter shit, and they were like, I, you know, I, I listened to this shit, and uh, I liked it. And then they asked uh, what the intro song was, which they always do. And it reminded me that I have a, um, a Harry Potter podcast. So let's do some more fucking Harry Potter shit, shall we? So the book opens, and we get three facts about Harry Potter. Fast facts about Mr. Potter. The first is that he hates summertime. So if you don't know that the reason he hates summertime is that he associates it with his abusive extended family, you just end up thinking he's like a weird fucking kid. Right? He's uh, a weird summertime-hating kid. What a what a goofball. But he's not. He, his hatred is, is actually super rational. Because it's the time in his life when he is subjected to torture from his aunt and uncle. Okay, so the second fact about Harry Potter is that he loves doing his homework, but he has to do it in secret in the dead of night. And again, this is because he, he's in an abusive household, but you're supposed to think that it's like, you know, he's just like this total nerd. It's just like this cheeky thing. He's doing his homework like it's an act of defiance, but, you know... Homework isn't supposed to be thought of as that kind of thing. It's, it's a different kind of thing. So this is like an immediate shortcut into telling you exactly what types of people this book is being targeted towards. The Venn diagram of people who love Harry Potter and the people who are convinced Elizabeth Warren has a plan for that is just a circle, right? Harry Potter is the wonky homework kid. And if you're a wonky homework kid, you're going to love this book. That's the selling. That's the, the opening paragraph. The third, I should fucking, I, I should mention, first of all, that Harry Potter, has, historically, he is not a wonky homework kid. In the first two books, he is just a scholastically normal kid who suffers through his wizard school shit like any other kid, but the bossy girl is the wonky homework kid. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, and then the third fact is that he's a fucking wizard, but we already knew that because we've already read the first two books. So this is this first paragraph, and actually mostly this entire first chapter is just like a lot of just like, hey, catch up, fucker. We've already been through a lot of shit, and so we need to like catch you up with some of this stuff. The, the fourth fact that they say a little bit later is that he uses a fucking eagle feather quill for his homework because apparently he's a fucking Revolutionary War era wizard or something. I don't know what's going on there. Or maybe he's doing like some hipster thing, you know, like, like you know, fuck pens going back to the... Back to the real times when people used fucking quills and feathers. I'm actually surprised that hasn't come around as a hipster trend. You know, just feathers and ink. That's the type of shit that those people would get into, right? And anyway, it says he's, it, the book says he's looking for something to help him write his essay. He's like reading some fucking dumb book. And the name of his essay that he's writing is, um, this is, I'm just verbatim, this is the name of the essay that he's writing. It is, which burning in the 14th century was completely pointless discuss. Like the title of his essay was a statement and then the directive discuss, which is weird as fuck, but whatever. 
And then there's this excerpt from the book that he's studying, and it's super weird because the book excerpt has the exact same bad writing habits as the narrator of the Harry Potter books. So that's kind of odd. And so then we get like a nice little recap of the basic plot and setting here, which is actually nice for me because it's been like a year at least since I've read these, these shit books, and I need a reminder. So you got Uncle Vernon, independent as a hog on ice, and then you got Aunt Petunia, and she's just like generically awful, and then Dudley Dursley, is that, is that, is that his real name? Is that his real name? Dudley? That can't be. Anyway, so there's this sort of weird backstory where the Dursleys all go out to admire Vernon's new company car, and they do it sort of conspicuously so that the neighbors hear them. I guess it's like a thing that they do. And this allows Harry to, like, steal all his magic stuff back and use it at night. And then the, the other backstory is that, like, one time Ron, the weasel kid, accidentally called Harry's phone for some reason, like his home phone, I guess, even though he knows his family hates, like, everything about him, so I don't know what the fuck this kid's doing, but he's, you know does it and then uncle vernon gets all pissed off and he's like listen here buster i'm a working class guy and i'm jealous and resentful of the technocratic elites like you and i vote against my own interests and confound you people to write about me in your fucking in your op-ed pages like a like a like a fascinating and unknowable species of animal is what he says to ron weasel kid and so in case we had any hopes that the social politics of this book would be any less reprehensible than the last two, that that opening salvo was followed up by, and this is an actual quote from the book, he says, uh, The silence in the dark house was broken by the distant grunting snores of his enormous cousin Dudley. Cool, cool, very cool, very cool, very body positive. Good, good look, good look we got there. Uh, that's what you want out of a children's book right there. And then the book says Harry's eyes were itching with tiredness. Were itching with tiredness. Like, that's the same... Those are, By the way, those are two sentences in the same paragraph. The silence in the dark house was broken only by the distant grunting snores of his enormous cousin Dudley is, is in the same paragraph as Harry's eyes were itching with tiredness. First chapter of the book. No one went, yo, this fucking sucks. Delete that shit and start over. So then the book says, like, oh, it's it's Harry Potter's birthday today, but then uh, no one really cares. And then they do, like, a weird diagnostic of his pubescence. And he's grown a couple inches, hair's still black. Oh, by the way, he also fought an evil wizard. His eyes are still dark green, still has a scar on his forehead. And so then two owls fly into his window and give him a third wounded owl. And this owl is named Errol presumably after documentarian Errol Morris, and all three have these packages tied to them to give to Harry, which is, like, that's just how wizards uh, fucking do shit, is they just, like, put shit on an owl and hope for the best. And uh, the, the package that Errol Morris gives to him is a newspaper clipping, uh, which seems exactly like the type of gift that the actual Errol Morris would give you. You know, like, happy birthday, city passes tax bond initiative. Deal with that. But actually, it's an article about how the Weasel family is all on vacation in Egypt. And apparently this is newsworthy. But they won some sort of prize and they got money. And then there's this letter from Ron, and he's like, Egypt is great, wizards put curses on shit, and all these muggles died because of it. 
Also, my family is terrible with money, and I hope you're doing well. And then there's another present from Ron, and it's a pocket sneakoscope. You know, classic thing that people know what that is. Uh, it's if, if someone is untrustworthy, the thing lights up and spins around. So apparently whether you're trustworthy is just an objective fact about the nature of reality. So much so that an inanimate object can determine it for you. Uh, this is actually kind of cool. It's like a commodity, like the commodity is fetishizing you kind of thing, you know? Right? The, co- the commodity is taken on such a significance that it's actually judging your character and self-worth. There's some kind of Baudrillardian about that. And then also this chapter uses the word luminous to refer to Harry's clock on two separate occasions. So I think that one's going to be on the vocab quiz later. And then he opened his other letter from Bossy Girl, and she's like, I'm in France, which is not as cool as Egypt, but I did way more homework than I was supposed to, and I am refusing to endorse Bernie Sanders. And then she got him, like, a DIY broom maintenance kit or some shit. And then the third present is from Hagrid, the old lovable Scottish doofus. And uh, remember that guy? Hagrid, uh, the gift was an anthropomorphic book, and the book, like, runs away from Harry, and Harry tries to chase after it, and then the book bites him, and you think, uh-oh, this is gonna be bad, and you think he's gonna, you know, wake up his, his aunt and his uncle, and there will be hell to pay. But then it just stops. Like, that whole thing just is like, ah, forget it. And the card just says, oh, here's a stupid fucking book for you, I'll let you know more when I see you. And that's it. So a lot of fun that was. And then there's another card from Hogwarts, and it's like, here's a permission slip for some new weird bullshit we just made up called Hogsmeade. And Hogsmeade is some fancy shit for wizards, and Harry wants to go, but he knows his family's gonna be pissed because they fucking hate wizards. And so then he's like, I'm having a happy birthday, isn't that fucking great? Um, he looks at all his gifts, and he's like, ah, oh, friendship is the is the gift here. That's the you know, that's what they're going for. And my hope for this book, I always have a hope for, for the book that gets dashed by a, a, about chapter four, usually. So here, they've, they've set up a, a thing where uh, Harry is, you know, starting to take a look around, and I'm hoping he, he continues to do that and starts to realize that the institutions in which he has found himself are all these harmful, insidious, totalizing things, and the communal bonds that he's formed with his friends are the only things that will save him, and he just needs to, like, you know, get out from under the totalizing nature of the wizard establishment and find a space of resistance, like, maybe start your own fucking DIY wizard school. It's based, you know, it's, like, based on egalitarian principles, and and it isn't constantly beholden to the power machinations of, of the institution, or, like, the, you know, the capitalist need for for constant accumulation or whatever, you know, something that prepares you not for power but for service. That's that sort of thing, you know. Just reconstitutes your entire ontology, and and you find ways to to resist and transgress the uh, the totalizing nature of the wizarding world. But I don't think that's going to happen because this book is a, a constant disappointment in my life. 